As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Julia. And I'm Caroline. And we are Not Nice. Like, one of these days, we'll get it right on the first try. Yeah, I think part of it is, like, knowing there's a Zoom lag, but also there being an actual Zoom lag, so it's, like, double lag. Mm -hmm. You're, Um, like, anticipating it, you know? Exactly. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Julie Bennett-Chan. And I'm also your host, Caroline Lung. And you are listening to Not Nice. Hopefully, you know, you're brushing your teeth and like washing your face and Mm. it's the beginning to a beautiful day assuming uh, that's when people listen to podcasts yes we're really taking a huge risk we're recording this the night before we're releasing the episode (laughs) oh it's like exactly how i used to write my college papers yes actually no i can't relate to that i'd write them like months in advance (laughs) i used to reach out to my professors in the summer and be like can i have the course outlines (gasps) Um, and like, what's the main assignment? Can you send that to me? And they'd be like, well, no, I haven't made the assignment yet. It's July. (laughs) You're like making them feel like procrastinators. I know. Such a go-getter. So Um, how has your week been? Oh, it's been, it's been pretty exhausting. Um, I won't lie. Mm -hmm. I, I did a huge purge. Um, I, uh, I got a ton of new furniture, um, because, you know, as you might know, if you are a Torontonian listener, um, it is, you know, lockdown uh, 2.0. Mm-hmm. So um, I've been basically replacing every piece of furniture in my house, like, bit by bit. Um, what else have you that, gotten? Uh, I got a new coffee table. <gasps> um, it hasn't arrived yet, okay. uh, but it's lavender. Actually, we got <gasps> like a bunch of different little coffee tables. Where did so- you get it from? Um, this place called Hay, uh, Hay Design, H-A-Y, okay. a lot of cute, <clears throat> eclectic um, mm. little pieces, if that's, you know, your taste. Um, What's the material? Also, 
It's uh, wood, I guess. Um, I got one wood one and two metal ones. Ooh. So Side tables? Yeah. It's like two. They're like three side tables. And I'm just going to cool. use them as like, you know, a cluster of coffee tables. <gasps> I love that. Well. Yeah. It'll be cool. Um, it'll be very modular. And, you know, I live in a pretty, pretty boxed in condo. And I feel like modularity is really the way to go. Like, yeah, you want it to is. Be able to move that shit around. For sure. So. I got that. Um, I also got a new bookshelf, which meant I had to go through um, all the books and like, you know, boxes of papers in my old bookshelf. And with that, um, unearthed a lot of (laughs) memories, some pleasant, not so some not so pleasant. Mm -hmm. Uh, I looked at a bunch of my college papers, um, which is why I brought it up earlier. Uh, A lot of them were graded more generously than I remember them to be. Okay. Um, That's usually how those things go. It's true. Uh, I was on academic probation after my first year of university. You were a bad girl. I was a very bad student. Is it because you just skipped classes a lot? I remember you always skipped when I first met you. (laughs) I mean, I did skip a lot of classes. Um, But I also don't think I'm meant for the kind of like academic deconstruction that the mm. U of T English literature program offered. Sure. Um, it was, it was pretty intense. So like reading my papers, like so much of it was in passive voice. The arguments were structured so poorly. I don't know how I got a diploma, but I did. Um, it's and I humiliating to read your old work. Hey, it's very humiliating, especially like now that I'm, you know, in my thirties and no, a lot more about like the art of persuasion if you will mm-hmm. <laughs> um it's oh god the passive voice the like the typos and just i would have done things so differently it's really embarrassing um i also came across a lot of old scrapbooks and letters um from people who i no longer speak to which is always a little awkward um I came across like this pile of post-its from my roommate in my first year of university. And I had moved to Toronto with two of my best friends at the time from high school and they were dating, uh, but they had a pretty tumultuous relationship and they broke up in the course of like our first year Mm -hmm. um, because, uh, you know, the female counterpart um, just wasn't into the relationship anymore and had found somebody else on World of Warcraft. Um, and (laughs) wait, is that how they initially met her and her ex? You said uh, found somebody else. Oh no, just that's where she just met her next guy. World of Warcraft. Yes. That's cute. Was she Asian? Was he Asian or she Asian? Both, I guess. Uh, no, he was, um, he was in the army. He was stationed in Hawaii at the time and Mm. she is Asian. Yes. Yeah. She being Asian checks out. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there are a lot of non-Asian women on World of Warcraft, but it might be difficult to find. Um, so yeah, they met and, you know, they broke up and like things got pretty like rowdy and downright violent at times. And there oh, was wow. this one night when they were screaming at each other and like, you know, hair dryers were tossed, <clears throat> like plates, and I was ready to call the police. Um, and the next day, um, the female counterpart of this relationship I don't want to reveal her name slid like you know a note under my bedroom door like apologizing for all that noise explaining what had happened and I had kept that note for some reason 
Hmm. probably out of like some weird emotional like hoarding um tendency Mm -hmm. and just like reading it like took me back so hard Um, how long was the note it was pretty short it was just like oh caroline like you know i'm so sorry about the noise last night you know me and male counterpart broke up and you know we're just gonna pretend everything's okay and we want to go out for pho tomorrow so please come so it won't be awkward that's i like that she did that instead of just sending you a text which she very well could have (laughs) actually that's a great point i mean it wasn't like there weren't any computers yeah it almost seems more genuine that she wrote a handwritten note yeah i mean i i believe that she was sorry but that was one of the rougher parts of you know having just moved to a new country with like Mm. no friends that must be weird living with somebody and hearing their domestic disputes with their partner that's like that's really awkward it was pretty awkward and they were both like my best friends at the time from high school right right um and so i felt like i had to be on both sides yeah Um, you're like the mediator oh my god yeah i was honestly should have been paid for it yeah you should have invoiced them (laughs) maybe i will now um i also found a bunch of um a bunch of birthday cards uh, mm-hmm. and like goodbye cards from jobs that I had quit, um, which is always really awkward because mm. you like read the messages and you're like, oh, wow, this person really didn't care about me because all they said was, hey, Caroline, thanks for all your help. Good luck at your next gig. Love, Michael. Or whatever. I know. It's so weird that workplaces make you like sign uh, goodbye cards. Like just let's not fake it. Let's not do that even. <laughs> In yeah. my job, we used to have to, um, we, if somebody, if it were their, if it was their last day, they'd bring in like all the different teams. So there's like, you know, say four teams of us. So there's, you know, 25 people in a boardroom and we'd have to go around one by one and share a memory with that person. And I remember I had just started in this position and there was like three different going aways. And I, I don't know what, the hell to say you know i mean most people didn't even if they had worked with them for years it's so awkward you know yeah like what are you gonna say about them like i loved your shoes when yeah i first met you well like people try to be funny or they try to be very sentimental you know and it was just like you could tell everybody was extremely uncomfortable having to do this i'm glad they stopped doing that yeah i mean it's not like you're leaving a place that you didn't want to leave, you know, like there yeah. was probably some bad blood or at the very like least it's awkward. So here's what I would want on my last day. Everyone has to go around one by one and give me a compliment mm. and, and um, $5. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or just some sort of like amount in cash. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know um, why. That's just what I, mean, I want. I feel like when you leave a job, you think about all the things that you were owed and you didn't get in your Mm -hmm. tenure there. Like all the little like rejections that you got that contributed to your eventual decision to leave. Yes. And therefore you're like, you know what? I'm owed something. So I get Um, it. I'm going to put my teacher hat on right now. Can you please um, mute your phone? (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) No, that's okay. You're popular. It's not your fault. I mean, it's, it's really funny how like, like when people text you, two times in a row you're like oh my god my social life is so happening yeah it's off the hook it's but the second one is just like a correction (laughs) (laughs) it's like it's like happy face asterisk what are you drinking 
Just a brewski. Sapporo. Nice. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. Um, I okay. am drinking a Merlot, and uh, it was a gift from a friend. Um, mm. And uh, she got it because the label um, said Inception, and my partner really loves Christopher Nolan movies. So she That's was like, cute. Oh. <laughs> Does her name start with an M and rhyme with Bell? No, it was actually oh. Sula. Starts with Cute. an S and ends with Kula. Um, but no, Roger hates Christopher Nolan movies. He would be mad at me if I didn't correct that on air. Oh, you were being sarcastic. Okay. I yes, forgot that you do sarcasm point. now. Remember when we first met and you didn't understand sarcasm? <laughs> I didn't. I was yeah. like, why are we like like lying? Yeah. So, or you're you like, know. why is everything so extreme? <laughs> and you're like, it's called a joke. Um, okay. Should we, uh, should we go into our listener email? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We should. Okay. All right. So we're going to share a listener email that we received. Um, I guess we've already, you and I have already talked about that. We're just going to use her name. It's a pretty generic name. So, uh, I mean, if she has a problem with it, I guess too bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Hi, Julia and Caroline. I just want to start off by stating that you are both so amazing and absolutely hilarious in your awesome Not Nice podcast. I've absolutely loved your content so far, which I find educational too. I really do hope you keep on creating more episodes. I had to write in after listening to your episode called Zoom Dick, which covered the unusual modern day trend of unsolicited dick pics because of a recent experience of mine. Just how did we get to this position in this modern dating world? Crying, laughing emoji, crying, laughing emoji. I have a story to share about how I how I and several other women at work responded to a work colleague who sent me an unsolicited dick pic. I thought it might be fun to share it with you both. It shows just what can go wrong if these pics are sent out, especially when they're unsolicited. This reminded me, I once worked at a place that a guy kept sending dick pics out to all the women that work there. Um, Okay, receiving these pics is actually the story of my life on social media at the moment. Okay, stop bragging. I get so many of these pics sent to me on Tinder that I can make a coffee table book full of them and don't even get me started on Snapchat. Crying laughing emoji. Anyway, on with my story. A guy I used to work with used to always, uh, used to always used to brag. Okay, maybe proofread your email about having a huge penis. He always looked for an opportunity to talk about how big he was and how so many women were after him because of it. He once said that he had a 10 incher. I don't even think people have 10 inch dicks ever. Uh, that's me, hmm. not the email. I'm sure you've if come you across. You're informed. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure you've come across someone like this at some stage. Have you ever come across a guy who claims to have a giant dick? As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> mm, to be honest, no. Yeah, and I think it's because, like, the idea of putting a dick that's, you know, 10 inches in length and whatever it is implied in width is physically impossible for someone my size, I think. Ugh, right. Um, okay, this all changed, however, when he sent me a dick pic. His dick was a close-up of his penis with a ruler next to it so I could see exactly how long it was fully erect. I don't know what he was thinking, but it wasn't anything to boast about. It only looked to be just over five and a half inches long. He sent me a message around 50 minutes later begging me not to show it to anyone else and saying that he was so sorry, but I'd already sent it to every single one of my female friends by that point. What women wouldn't have if only to warn them about him. It was no accident that he sent. I mean, I would do that if it was like unsolicited and I hated getting it and it was so inappropriate. I wouldn't do it if like, a, you know, I was seeing somebody. They obviously sent me a nude. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. want to make that clear. Um, Blah, blah, blah. Okay. It was no accident that he sent it to me as I found out that he'd also sent it to someone else with the same quote unquote apology to her around 50 minutes later. I think that some of them needed a really good laugh and they sure as hell got one. From then on, we kept on making jokes at work by measuring various items in the office with a ruler and saying things like, damn, that thing's smaller than I expected. It doesn't even measure six inches, followed by lots of laughter. It was so funny watching him go as red as a beetroot, even though we weren't even talking about his junk. They really do need to understand that if they send unsolicited dick pics, then it's open season for us to send to all of our girlfriends to point up to point and laugh at as well as criticize and judge. Telling them that it's small seems to work really well in getting them to stop. The dick pic guy left two weeks later, probably through embarrassment. Our boss didn't understand uh, what was going on until after he left. Afterwards, we told her and she had a really good laugh and said it served him right. How could we carry on working normally after going through that? I mean, yeah, that's sexual assault. This is now the reason that I consider an erect penis six inches or less to be small. Crying, laughing emoji. She loves these emojis. Do they expect us to react to their dick pic with a message of, ooh, that's such a nice penis. Is that all for me? Wow, I feel so lucky. It's so big and such a turn on. Before we magically jump through their screens desperate for sex and then jump on top of them. Surely they must know uh, by now that this approach doesn't work. And we are much more likely to show their pics to friends and have a good laugh at them. Crying, laughing emoji. Thank you both so much again, Julia and Caroline, for being so awesome and for your brilliant podcast. And I really do hope that my story gives you both a good laugh or a smile. Have a wonderful day. Love and hug, Sue. Um, okay. So, you know, email, great email. Really appreciate this person writing in, you know, as podcasters. This really excites us to hear from our listeners. But here's the problem. She then follows up her email with multiple dick pics that were sent by this guy and I guess photoshopped by her colleagues to have like faces or like, uh, you know, I, I, I can't even tell you what else because I haven't scrolled down and looked at them in detail. I just saw and then scroll back up, but they're all like doing funny things, presumably. And it's like, mm-hmm. don't you realize the irony? Don't you realize that you are doing exactly to us what this guy did to you and how unwelcome that must be? Like, even though you're a woman... A dick pic is a dick pic. I don't care who fucking sent it to me. If I don't want it, I don't want it, you know? It's true. And I mean, honestly, 
having, you know, reread the email with you on air at this moment, I don't think this email is from someone, a woman named Beep. but I just, I just can't buy it. Like, first of all, the name Beep. is uh, suspiciously um, generic. And I realize that a lot of white people have suspiciously generic names. Yeah. But it just seems kind of like sus. Also, I'm just clicking into her like contact profile picture and it's like, it looks like a stock photo. It's like mm. this brunette woman with like a big bun on her head and like a red tank top. And she's quite pretty, but you know, yeah. not necessarily a photo that, you know, you would have either taken yourself or maybe you were on a yoga retreat or something, but there is, it's devoid of personality and, you know, paired with the anonymity of the name, it's hard for me to trust that this is coming from a real person. Third, there are just too many emojis. I don't, yeah, I don't think people type I mean, she's like, like a basic white chick. Those bitches love emojis. It's true. I mean, I love emojis too, but I just feel like no you gotta one switch it up like though. this. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I frequent a lot of like message boards. I feel like I've seen like how people type and this is yeah. like exactly how someone who would post like a fake Reddit ships post would type. Do you think so? Yes. Like, and but okay. The domain of, I don't want to like reveal what her email address is, but the domain of her email is not Gmail. And to me, if you're going to do a fake thing, wouldn't you just create a Gmail account? Like, that seems like the obvious choice. To do anything else makes it seem actually more like an authentic email address. Mm, I mean, you can definitely sign up for her server pretty easily. It's, like, just as accessible as Gmail. True. So that's another thing. And, I mean, like, honestly, the most... The the calling card is her just sending us these dick pics. Like... So... Okay, so what do you think is happening here? This is actually a dude, and he is just sending us his dick pics? I think so, because I (sighs) feel like the... Look, okay, think about the structuring of the email. The bulk of this is dedicated to this story of a man sending women the dick pic, right? It it just, there's so much detail around, like, the dick itself, like, the quantified details, the qualified details, the, like, jokes that were made at his expense, which, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it feels like a lot of overwrought detailing for a story that you know you're supposedly embarrassed or like a little you know weirded out by i guess i mean i those are some good points it feels like it was written by a woman though like she's doing things in this email like she's trying to get on our level and connect with us and you know like say like Hey, all of us women, like, this is what we all do, you know, which, by the way, like I said, I would send out unsolicited dick pics to my friends, which I've never done before. But now that I think about it, I actually wouldn't do that because this is exactly what this chick just did to us. And we're not stoked. Yeah. I mean, I want to revoke that. But yeah, I mean, you know what? Either way, we got unsolicited dick pics and we're not happy. (laughs) That's the thing. Like, bleep, if you're listening, the only reason why I'm questioning the validity of your existence is because you committed such a crime of hypocrisy yeah exactly it's not different just because this is coming from a woman you know all right well i mean if you are a real person thanks so much for writing in please don't send us dick pics again um and if you're some random creepy dude consider yourself blocked (laughs) yeah or i mean like honestly like that's the thing they're gonna be listening to this episode wondering yeah i bet 
Yes. I, if it's a real person, I think she will write in again to be like, no, that I, I am real. But if it's um, if it's like this fake guy pretending to be a woman, I don't think they'd write in because, you know, wh- why would they want to like carry that on? So yeah. I guess we'll see. Hopefully we'll have some follow up for you listeners in the near future. That's a little bit sus. Um, with that, we are going to take a quick break. Mm-hmm. And we're back. We're back. Um, okay, so I had a little thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, on Speaking of this... penises. <laughs> a little thing. A little thing. Uh, well, okay, this, this next topic is not at all penis related, thankfully. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to talk <clears throat> about, you know, throwing shit out. And just the idea of, like, what are we comfortable or not comfortable um, with throwing out yeah because you just um, did a big perch as it were yes uh you know i talked a little bit earlier about my college papers um and like birthday cards and things like that and so that made me think about you know all the other little things um that we you know irrationally keep around the house um and you know what are what are the reasons behind it why do we keep these things and what is going to be the thing that like finally gets us to like throw that shit out or mm-hmm. don't eat it Um, okay as it were so i have a question up top so your college papers keep or throw so up until literally yesterday i was a keep girl yes of course um and that's because i think especially on the things that i get decent grades on it's like a little reminder that like okay despite all the trials and tribulations that i endured throughout my degree i had some high points yeah it's a token of validation Absolutely. So I kept a lot of the papers that I got decent marks on. How about you? So I keep a lot of papers, but same as you, only if I got a really good grade. And also (laughs) only if, okay, only if I got a good grade. Also, only if I really liked the professor and I want to like hold on to those comments, you know, like they really mean a lot to me. And also if it was a hard A versus like an easy A, like a paper, because I not to brag, but I had a lot of papers that I just got A's on that I didn't put very much effort into. And I was like, eh, it's saved on my hard drive. Like that's enough. But mm. for papers I like poured over, for sure, I still have those with all the comments. I love that. Yeah. It's like a Sometimes- turn on for me. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> I was such a good student. <laughs> okay. Men back pocket that. Um, I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, I wish I had kept the ones that I got really shitty grades on because how am I going to learn from these experiences? And now I'm even more confounded as to why I did so poorly um, throughout my university years. Mm. Yeah, I guess that's fair. But you probably know like in your heart why you did poorly on them, right? Mm, Yeah, because I didn't go to class and I didn't do the readings. Exactly. You know, one plus one equals two. (sighs) Which I was not able to figure out. You don't have to talk about grades, obviously, but when you graduated, like, was it, it was it not good? No, my GPA was fine. I got it up back up to a, a decent point okay. um, after my first year. Uh, but I've never been an academic type of mm. person. I, I don't do well with structure. Um, and I also just don't have the patience for the attention to detail um, that is required to 
do very well and mm-hmm. especially um institutions as old school as u of t which is where i went yeah university of toronto if you know you don't give a shit about canadian things um so yeah i i didn't thrive um and it's nice to have kept things that reminded me about like how i managed to survive but yeah See, we're, we're kind of the opposite in that regard because you do, you thrive in the workplace. Like you kill it in your jobs, you know? And whereas I, like I struggle in the real world, like in my jobs, historically, at least I have struggled, but in academia, that's like my home. That's the place I thrive. I love that. I mean, we definitely have very different attention spans, like the physics in which our focus like moves is very different. I think your position is more, um, it's like, uh, it's more useful in the long run because you can't stay in school forever. Although some people do try. I remember some guy that was in my program, my master's, but he graduated, I think the year before me, um, no, or like two years before me, he had like seven degrees. He just kept going to school. He had like four masters, a, you know, a few bachelor's degrees, maybe even a PhD. Yeah. He just kept going back to school law degree. Some people so do how that. Do you They're... afford this? Well, I mean, for one, OSAP. But actually, that's a good point because OSAP, there's like lifetime limits where you can only get OSAP up, you know, for X amount of years in total. And then after that, it's like he probably was like a rich kid, you know, mm. and uh, he just didn't want to get a real job. So he was like, oh, I'll just go get another degree. I mean, that's fair. Like whenever I think about winning the lottery, I'm always like, well, I guess I'll just go back to school in order to feel like a useful member of society. But mm. in retrospect, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, you, you, that would be a different scenario though. Like his scenario of like, if he was a rich kid, you know, eventually you have to enter the workforce and like grow up. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus and move on but i mean i'm impressed and i i love that you know our um attention spans complement one another yes me too if we were if we were blended into one person we'd be kind of like the perfect person oh my god we'd be absolutely unstoppable the world wouldn't even know what to do they would not they already don't know what to do with us okay Uh, so what else were you sorting through so uh you mentioned diplomas do you throw out diplomas (laughs) wait do you have multiple diplomas well, I have like one from, you know, having graduated 
uh, like secondary school. So you I still have that? Time. Yes, I kept it. Oh my it. God. <laughs> Were you a good student in high school? Tendencies. I was not. I was not. Oh my God. Um, I don't know how I got into U of T, but probably because I was an international, international student. Yeah. They yeah. want that money. <laughs> they want that Hong Kong cash. They do. I mean, well, Hong Kong still has it. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I had my, I came across my secondary school diploma and I also came across my U of T one, which, I mean, I guess there's, you know, rightful reasons to not throw that shit out. So sure. you have yours still, right? I don't know my high school one. Um, that was not a proud moment. I was a terrible student in high school because like, yeah, I, I, I skipped class all the time to like get high and, you know, go to my, all my friends went to a different high school. So I would just skip class and like walk to their high school and hang out there. Um, I even, I've like gotten in trouble at other high schools where they're like, can I see your student ID card? And I'm like, I don't even go here. And they're like, why are you here <laughs> causing trouble? Um, so, I mean, when I graduated high school, my mom said if a student could win an award for having done the least amount of work and doing the best, I'd win that award. So that gives you all you need to know. I like just passed. I remember my grade 12 biology exam. I got into the exam and I was like, oh my God, this is such a long test. And so I didn't read the exam. I just filled out the Scantron and was like, you know, statistically, like maybe there's going to be an A here or D here or C here. And I passed. Wait, so you, it was like all multiple choice? Yeah. I didn't wow. read a single question. I just filled out the Scantron. Yeah. I think I got like exactly what you need to get to pass. <laughs> wow. So de- definitely didn't keep that diploma, but uh, I have my my undergrad, my master's for sure. Those were very proud moments for me, you know? Mm-hmm. I actually Rightfully have them so. both framed. I'm looking at them right now. They're <laughs> next to me on either side of my computer. I love that. I mean, the lesson of, you know, this conversation is we keep the things that make us feel good. Yes, that's true. Okay. How about this random one that you might not actually have any emotional attachment to? The jackets of hardcover books. Oh, I don't throw those out. I just keep them on the book. But you know what? Do you read them with the jackets on? Mm, I don't have a lot of books with hard covers. Like with jackets. So I honestly can't even answer that question. But I think like I've taken out library books. And I think in that case, I do take the jacket off because it is a bit cumbersome, you know. Mm -hmm. But do you throw them out? Well, I was thinking about it because so when I read the book, I I hate the jacket. It's honestly like, yeah, the jacket is a classic. Totally. But I also know, you know, the blood, sweat and tears I go into designing a book cover. It's often, you know, like a real honor, especially if you're like a fan of the author or something. So I used to keep them, but I would just like toss them to the wayside whenever I was Mm. reading a book. And then I would never remember where the jacket was when I was done. So I just decided to bite the bullet and was like, you know what? I'm just going to be the kind of gal who doesn't keep the jacket. I like that. I mean, who wants a book with a jacket? You shouldn't be able to shake a book and it can fall into two pieces, you know? Yeah, I like my books nude. Nude and in one piece. <laughs> okay. Book jackets. What else? Okay. Um, okay, here's one that I feel like is going to incite a bit of debate. Clothes that no longer fit you, but you love. So here's the thing about that. I, at a very young age, like when I was in high school, um, I was like, you know what? I'm I'm not going to throw anything out. I'm just going to assume eventually I will have a daughter and I trust my sense of style. It's amazing. I have great style. 
everything I have will be vintage at one point and my daughter will inevitably want to wear it. So I just decided to like, you know, apart from like the odd like H&M purchase, which I will throw out eventually, but like usually everything I buy is kind of a piece, you know? And so I still have clothes from when I was 16 and I still wow. wear them because I I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't like grown since that age. Okay, I've so grown they still since I was like you. 14. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The only about- thing. Sorry, go on. Well, I will throw out pants because pants you like really wear out and, uh, you know, it can get, it can get a bit like weird. You don't want to keep like jeans for that long. You know, it's kind of gross, but mm. for the most part, yeah, I, I don't really throw any clothes out. Wow. I'm really mm-hmm. impressed. So, okay. Even if they don't fit you, you'll keep them. Even though you just said you like mostly fit into most of your clothes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I have some clothes that like are now too big for me because I at one point weighed more in high school than I do now. It's not really about like things fit because pretty much everything fits me. But um, it's like I have kind of a rule. Like I only really throw out cotton-based things. And then Ooh. anything else, I'm like, nope, this will come in handy. This will be vintage at some point. I can give it to my daughter. I might like I've recycled my own clothes. You know, I'm 32. I still wear shit that I bought when I was 15. Wow. Yeah. I'm like staring at my bin of like clothes I'm ready to donate. And there are things in there that I bought like literally less than a year ago. (laughs) I know. You're good with that though. Like you do purge your clothes a lot. I remember that. I mean, I I remember that from just our friendship. (laughs) But like, what does that say about my sense of style? Like, is it incoherent or like, do I just take too many risks that I, you know, can no longer follow through? I don't know. Mm, I think like I like have a, a Junya Watanabe piece that I'm like I bought this at Wasteland, which is a vintage store in LA. Yeah, and I loved it at the time, but I'm like I I can't think of an occasion to wear it. Wait, okay. By the way, if before you get rid of anything, can you please consult me? Can I see if I want to take anything <laughs> off your hands? Of course. Yeah. So that's a B. If you have designer things, you should sell them to to vintage consignment like designer consignment places. Yeah, it's true. That's I mean, a real like, that thing. That's for like, yeah, consignment shit. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's great to donate clothes. Like that's that's helpful for people in need. You know, I don't think that's, I think it's good. It's a, it's efficient for you to get rid of stuff that you don't need anymore. It's, you know, anti-hoarding behavior. I mean, says the woman who like kept her. So I actually kept a letter that told me I was on academic probation. So <laughs> I don't know what that says about my hoarding behaviors. Right. But no, that's a good point. Um. So the next time you come over, please like go through all of it. And maybe you'll okay. convince me to keep a few things. Yeah. I well, love a lot of these things, but I just don't have the room for it. Honestly. Have you ever, um, have you ever gotten rid of anything and then later regretted it? No, my, my memory is very short term. Also, am I, at one point you told me I was in your will and, I, uh, that if you died, I would get all your clothes. Oh yeah, that's true. Is that still the case? Absolutely. So then as, as your will, what, what do you call it? What what am I? Benefactor? Yes. I don't know. Um, shouldn't I have a say in what you get rid of? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. This this is this I'm is now kidding. contractual. No, yeah, for sure. Please like come by and let me know what you think. Because I, I feel like when you are getting rid of clothes, it's it's like experiencing an, an identity crisis mm. in like, you know, 10x speed. Yeah. Because you're like going through it and you remember when you bought the thing mm-hmm. and the aspirations you had for yourself when you bought the thing, whether it's like, mm-hmm. you know, a new job that you're going to be wearing this jacket to, or 
a skirt that you're like, I'm going to wear this on like a date with a new boyfriend or whatever. You know what I mean? And, Mm. you know, when those dreams don't happen, you're like, well, it was a failure of my vision. And therefore, it makes me uncomfortable to keep this thing in my closet. It's not so much about how it looks when I put it on. It's more about what it reminds me of when I bought the thing. Interesting. See, I have like the opposite reaction to that because I do every time I look at anything in my closet, there's, you know, I, I, I wear things during very distinct periods of my life. I mean, we all do. We, we typically don't wear our full wardrobe in a pure rotation. You know, you focus on like a few things at a time. And I find that really hard to get rid of things because I'm like, oh, I remember this point in my life, like I was doing this and whatever. And mm. it's so nostalgic for me. So, yeah, I have, I have a lot of, that's a good point, actually. Like it's, it's almost like a photograph that you can wear or yeah. a memory that you can wear. I have a fur vest from Aritzia that I I have the to. same one. Tulula. Yes. Yeah. We have yes. the same one. Have you, you haven't gotten rid of that thing. You know what? That's a good question. I don't know where that is. That might have that might be an example of something I have gotten rid of. Because it was very fast fashion and I have a lot of fur vests that I like better, but actually I don't have a memory of throwing it out and again that would be very off brand for me, so I'm sure it's somewhere. Yeah, I probably still have it actually. Cuz okay. you know what? I have boxes of clothes that I I have no intention of ever wearing, but I'm like I just can't throw them out. You know what though? I wonder if your propensity to, to throw clothing out speaks more to and don't take this as an insult, but I feel like you are very spontaneous with buying decisions. So I'm thinking mm. about like when we were in Amsterdam and you bought that mustard coat and you were obsessed <laughs> with it. You loved it. You're like this mustard coat, this mustard coat. It was like over $300. And I was like, Caroline, this is your first day in Amsterdam. Like there's such good shopping here. I think you're going to find way better things. I wouldn't buy it. It's from, you know, like a, a, a brand you can't get in North America, I guess it's European. That's like a, you know, like but like a, a mass produced thing. And you're like, no, I love it. I love it. And so you bought it. And then we we ate crepes <laughs> that night and you got Nutella all over it. And and by that point, you had decided you wanted to return it. And I was like, Caroline, I told you, you you wouldn't want to actually keep this. And now you have Nutella all over it and you were too embarrassed. And so I had to go back to the store and try to return it for you. And then of course, like when you return an item of clothing, clothing they inspect it. And they're like, this has stains all over it. And I was like, oh my God, that's so weird. I had no idea. And they're like, yeah, we're not taking this back. Also, there's no tags on it. And I was like, you know what? That makes sense. I was and literally I've never seen you wear that again. You have no interest in that coat. You've probably already thrown it out, right? No, no. Okay. So interesting you brought that coat up because um so the reason why i wanted to get rid of it or return it was because i already have a mustard colored coat in my of course you do yeah i just didn't bring it with me to amsterdam so i was like you had to buy that one for three hundred (laughs) dollars but i was like i didn't think that they would check so thoroughly it was maybe like you know a couple like fingerprints it was nutella on a mustard coat (laughs) it It may as well have been blood on a white shirt Oh, I still have so it. Funny, and you know what? I got good. rid of the other mustard colored coat in order to keep this. <gasps> Ooh. Okay. So, but um, yeah, I think you just like make too many like fast fashion decisions and you don't really think about purchases because you get so excited about the purchase. You're, you know, it's like very, the, the process of buying something I think is very exciting for you. I mean, we all can relate to that. And uh, all you can see is like, I need to just buy it. And then you buy it and you're like, oh, then you decide if you like it or not, you know? 
It's so true. The adrenaline just clouds my judgment. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. I mean, that, that story is, is a perfect example of like how I think when I shop. Yeah. Um, and it's especially dangerous when I travel. So that's, you know what? I'm going to think about that whenever I buy something. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if you, if you're with me traveling again, I can at least try to act as a buffer or a filter. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Okay. Um, the next thing that I have is, uh, books by canceled authors. Okay, okay, this implies somebody's reading enough to even have books by canceled authors. Okay, but like, so the one, the most relevant example I can think of is Harry Potter. J.K. Rowling, yes. Yes. Um, if you don't know, she, you know, has been in the news like pretty frequently over the past, like. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply few months or so for making some really transphobic remarks yeah um and for a lot of people a lot of fans of hers who like saw themselves as like different because the harry potter universe is like all about like succeeding despite like being cut from a different cloth yeah a lot of people related to that that series and they were like oh my god i can't believe like this bitch is actually such a perv and so now i feel super awkward about having like these books on my shelf because they're like immediately recognizable, like the mm-hmm. colors, like the thickness of the book, the spines, like you just know when it's a Harry Potter book. And I just can't see the series the same way, knowing mm-hmm. that the author is such a closed minded person. I know. It's such a shame. Like she never had to share her views on trans people, you know, on the trans community, like because everyone that cares about the trans community is basically upset about her views, you know, and she was so beloved before that. Like, she, why even open your mouth, J.K. Rowling? It has nothing to do with your work, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, the thing is, like, everyone is on their own journey. And sure, you learn about the nuances of these things at different paces. Mm-hmm. But no one is stipulating that you have to do your, re- your learning in a public forum when you have such a huge platform you have millions of followers and yeah these views are very damaging to people who are just as ignorant as you totally people who don't have the resources that you might have to change your mind down the line so yeah she had no reason to um to air out her ignorant laundry if you will here's my so. view on that so for one i think you know where we can i think it's always worthwhile to separate the the art from the artist, you know? And, you know, like, I still like Michael Jackson. Obviously, I don't think it's great to fuck little boys, you know? <laughs> and I don't condone anything that he's ever done. But, like, Man in the Mirror is a great song. I will never stop loving it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I think when it comes to somebody like J.K. Rowling, I think 
one, I mean, if it's, if you want to just get rid of your, the books of hers you have, that's, you know, do that. That's one approach. But if you're unsure what to do, I think the path forward is not continuing to consume content that she's behind, you know, don't continue to watch her movies, don't rent them, blah, blah, blah. If she's writing new books, don't buy them. But anything mm-hmm. you've already done, like it's a sunk cost, like, um, you know, not only like literally and financially, but sort of um, psychologically. So you can you can keep the books, you know, um, you could even reread them. But it's about like continuing to support her art. That maybe is where you can make a decision about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Because like, I mean, I don't I wouldn't necessarily call myself a Potterhead, um, but I feel like the idea of like throwing out a book um, is really painful to me. Like I, I know how hard it is to write. And if libraries and various other institutions were still accepting donations, I think I'd feel very differently about this kind of thing. Exactly. So, okay, that's a great point. I'll keep those. I, yeah, those are good books. Okay, the last one I have is uh, birthday cards mm-hmm. from people who you no longer talk to. Right. I guess birthday but like, cards, but you could also include, because sometimes people just give you cards for stuff. Mm, yeah. So you could lump that in there. Just cards mm-hmm. from people. What do you do? I mean, I kept every single card that I received. Like I have, so I have like different places for um, birthday and like thank you cards, mm-hmm. whatever cards. <clears throat> so like the ones on my fridge are the ones from people who like are still in my immediate circle who I love. So I have cards from you. I have cards from Sula. I have cards from like, people who I text on a regular basis there. Mm-hmm. And then I have a shoebox where I have cards from people who I no longer talk to, but like wrote some really great cards for me. So they include like, you know, previous work friends or friends who I just like stopped talking to from high school. Um, ex-boyfriends? Definitely ex-boyfriends. And you know what? Okay. Let's like, not just birthday cards, but like Polaroids of these people, like mm, photos. That's a good question. Yeah. So like I've kept a lot of those and I, I will never get rid of them. Like it's okay. the idea of putting them elsewhere is like actually painful to me. Yeah. Um, even though I don't talk to those people anymore. Um, like when I reread those cards when I was going through that stuff yesterday, it was like it sent me into such a depressive episode actually, because I was like, mm. why don't I talk to these people? And like it made me revisit why the, they were no longer in my life. And it was hard right. for me to reconcile the heartfelt sentiment in the card with like whatever things like they had done or that I had done to end um, the friendship. So mm. kind of a bummer. It's a bit of a bummer. Um, so I guess what you're trying to say is you do keep those. I do. Yeah. Do you? So I, like you, I definitely keep cards that are from people that are still in my life. You know, like if you gave me a card three years ago, I would still have it. Because like my default is if anyone gives me a card, I would never throw that out within the same year. That just seems like insulting and cruel or something, even if they don't know you did that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do from time to time, like come across a box and I'm like, oh, there's all these random cards from people I like used to hang out with. I don't dislike them now. And, you know, we might follow each other on social media or whatever, but I don't see them all the time. And I would hang on to those things for a while. And then once it gets to the point where it's like, okay, the the friendship has really expired, then I would throw it out. But there's certain people in my life, you know, like my my friend from my undergrad, Brie, she always gave me so many cards and like notes. And I kept all of those because even if I don't see her all the time, like 
she was just like such a special person to me, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I would never throw that out, but yeah, for the most part, I throw it out unless it's really important. And definitely, definitely if it's an ex-boyfriend, I throw it out. Cause that's all just like triggers for me. Um, that's fair. But I think the ex-boyfriend thing takes a while. I remember, um, before I moved into this place. So two years ago, I came across this box of like all these little, you know, pieces of paper. There was like a hundred of them. And it's like every, every one of them is like a reason why I love you. And I could not remember who gave that to me. <laughs> But I obviously kept it out of like, you know, from like a place of narcissism. I'm like, ooh, I just want like, re- I, I mean, I don't I don't think I ever reread them or anything, but it was just like, oh, this person put so much effort into it. I guess I should keep this. And then I remembered who gave it to me and I was like, oh, God, no. So I threw those out as soon as I realized. Um, who was it? Well, I'm not going to say his name. Okay, fine. Text it to me later. But isn't it so funny how easily we could divorce like the sentiment of the message from like the person who wrote it? Yes, for sure. Um, yeah, and and with polaroids of ex-boyfriends, I definitely get rid of those. Mm. Yeah. Unless like, you know, we don't really end on particularly bad terms or anything, but for the most part. That's fair. Yeah. I'll um, like cut them up with scissors too. It's very dramatic. I mean, if it's like a like a healing thing, then yeah. I totally get that. Yeah, like oh. the person that dumped me a few years ago, I had Polaroids of him and I had to cut those up. Oh, yeah, completely. It was too painful yes. not to. That's fair. I haven't, I don't have any ex-boyfriends I hate. So I've kept yeah. um, everything for the most part. And uh, I was I was going to ask you, like, in terms of, you know, your friendship or like relationship metabolism, do you think yours is fast or slow? Ooh, like, do I go through friends quickly? Like, you know, the time it takes for a friendship to digest and process and like mm. exit your life and your system. So here's the thing. I have like, I don't have very many friends. I have like, I'd say I have like, you know, four close friends and they've been my friends for years and years and years and years. You're obviously one of them. Mm-hmm. But I do have a lot of fair weather friends or friends of convenience where you work somewhere for a few years and like in order to make your workday better, of course, you're going to develop bonds and friendships with these people and you spend time with them or like school friends. But then from both of those things, there's still like a few people that like you do hang on to, you know, like I've like basically, you know, two people I consider friends for my master's program in like a deep way. I mean, it's not like I don't consider other people friends. I don't want to like actually step step on any toes here in case people are listening. <laughs> but I, to answer your question, I, I, my friendships are very deep and strong, like my really good ones. And I will have them forever, I believe, and have had them for years and years and years. But I, I definitely have had plenty of fair weather friends in my life. Where circum- mm. because of circumstances, we hang out almost every day and then we stop working together or being in school together or whatever. And then we forget to see each other or like there's not really a reason to see them, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. what about you? I think I'm kind of the same. Um, I You have a lot of friends, though. You're one of those people that's very like you have tons of friends oh, and you make a lot so- of friends everywhere you go. Huh. It's interesting you say that because. I was just thinking to myself how few friends I have carried like with me throughout the different phases of my life. Like, and you know, again, this was triggered by my like big purge, but Mm. you know, friends from my respective like previous jobs who, you know, a lot of them I would, I would be like, I want you to be a deep friendship, but for, you know, reasons of inconvenience or 
if you don't see me as like a deep friendship that you want to keep i get that and i respect mm. it but you know those have like fallen through for sure and i definitely have some friends where i'm like you know we meant a lot to each other once upon a time and you know we've organically grown apart but for whatever reason you want to hang on because of like work related reasons or yeah. for like you know oh i like come to toronto a lot so i need a place to stay like when it's really obvious that it feels like a you know friendship of convenience for you yeah. then i'm very like you yes. know reluctant to hold on to that even though we had something extremely deep once upon a time it's almost like the contrast of the emotionality of what we had versus the like transactional quality mm. of our conversations today like it really turns me off when i could compare and contrast so easily yeah um, but i'm not great at communicating those things so well it's hard to communicate that why. right yeah well it is I, and i feel like you and i are similar in that we have like a small core group of friends but then we have like maybe 10 people like we could like fill a party you know if we need needed to with friends mm -hmm. but it's like we have a we have more people on the periphery than we do in on the inner circle you know in the inner circle for sure. But and I'd um, say that would that heightens my insecurity about my friendships, to be honest. Really? Because I'm like, yeah, because it's funny that you tell me that you think I have a lot of friends, but I actually think I have very few friends. And the people who are on the periphery, I'm like, they don't mean that much to me anymore. And it's yeah. really hard to maintain half-assed friendships in the pandemic when you're not seeing anyone but the mm, people who you would true. actively make an effort for. You know what, though? That might be a symptom of living in Toronto because you've lived in Toronto since you were, what, like 19, 18? 17. 17. Okay, so your entire adulthood, right? And people in Toronto are so weird. It's like it's hard to maintain friendships in the city if you don't work with the person or go to school with them or whatever, wherever you met them. If, if you don't continue doing that thing, it's really hard. Like people are so closed off. Everyone is such a workaholic and... um I, fi I find that a lot about Toronto. Like when I lived in Montreal, you know, my friends used to just show up on my doorstep. They'd like knock on my door on a, you know, a Wednesday morning and I'd let them in and they'd come in and like hang out for 20 minutes and then leave. And similarly, like I'd be walking down the street and I'd be like, oh, Josh lives there. I'm going to go say hi to Josh. And that was normal. Or like in Calgary, like people are always down to hang out. Like you were kind of always just with your friends as a default. But Toronto is not that way. People are very isolated on purpose or something and nobody wants to hang out. It's like pulling teeth. Do you know how hard it is to make plans with like five people? You have to like pay <laughs> people basically to show up at a restaurant, you know? They're like, oh, I, I can't, I, I have work. Oh, I, I just want to watch Netflix. Like it's, it's a very much a Toronto thing. So I don't even know if that, mm. that's your fault or anything indicative of like who you are as a person so much as it is uh, an issue with people that live in Toronto. It's true. I, I feel like most relationships that, you know. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The undercurrent of most relationships in Toronto are very transactional. Like they're yes. either work related or they're <sighs> like so true. You know school related or like scene related where like you know you're like i i know a lot of people in the creative community for sure but it's not like we've collaborated and we just know each other out of superficial things and if they don't have anything to gain from interacting with you on a regular basis you're not going to you know Mm -hmm. right you mentioning collaboration made me think of that because i know a lot of like the toronto creatives and especially i know the ones you're talking about it's like there needs to be some benefit to them, you know? It is transactional. It's very transactional. Kind of depressing when you think too hard about it. So let's like, move on. <laughs> how many How many Toronto like industry parties or like, uh, you know, like IT parties or like d- <laughs> design parties we've been to where the first question people ask you is, what do you do? That used to piss me off so much. I would just say, I, I would just say some like asshole answer like, I exist. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> you know, like, fuck you. Don't try to like assess my value based off of my job, which is such a Toronto thing. Yeah. I mean, it really is. And I mean, to be honest, like having come from Hong Kong, which is an equally, yeah, true. you know, commerce driven status city, obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, if I can't, like, if work is like such a huge part of my life and you can't help me in that sense, then like, it's hard for me to make time for you yeah which is like typically how the logic goes i i don't necessarily agree with it but you know it, the city somehow hypnotizes you into thinking that way and like you'd think that with things like instagram or you know other social media platforms where it's really easy to like casually keep in touch like that would take the relationship from being transactional to being a bit more personal but mm. because of the way most people use instagram as like a very performative thing it actually deepens the, the chasm right you and the other person so it is really sad is there anything else you wanted to discuss with this purge moment i mean i was gonna bring up pay stubs but i feel like most people get rid of those why would you ever keep a pay stub (laughs) i mean there's literally no purpose you you do your taxes like that's all you need is your t4 okay well i haven't done my taxes properly in a couple of years don't say that on air (laughs) You can the CRA is after you. Believe it out, please. <laughs> I work for the provincial government. I'm going to connect with my CRA colleagues. Ah, the feds. That's so scary. Okay, but you know how bad I am with taxes and things like that. So that's why I, I keep the pay stubs. It's honestly out of fear. But it's called a T4, Caroline. That has all of your annual income information on it. You don't need your pay stubs. Also, if you ever needed a pay stub, you can contact that employer and they'll they like legally have to keep that on record and provide it to you. 
I mean, that's really good to know, actually. So I, I mean, I threw away all of them, but okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> you just have a binder of pay stubs, but you throw out all of your cards from friends. Oh my god, it's <laughs> imagine that'll that'll really make me a Torontonian. You're like, I can't imagine wearing this Car Lagerfeld coat again, but I will keep this pay stub. <laughs> Okay, and with with this with this extremely useful p- piece of advice, um, we are going to take a quick break. Mm-hmm. You know what we should do for titling the app? I I don't know. How do you feel when you're listening to a podcast and they stop to say like title of app, title of app, whatever somebody just said? <laughs> I, I I've always found that a bit annoying. I'm like, Ugh, that takes me out of it, and like. Okay, great title of app. But you know what? That's a useful thing because I find titling our episodes really hard. Like I'll edit a full episode and be like, wait, what do I call it? I don't even remember what we just said. Mm. And it's a good way to like put something in your mind as an idea. That's fair. I was going to say, I actually like it when they do that because it makes me like understand their creative process a bit more. Like when Mm, Matt and Bowen do it, I'm like, yes. "Mm." Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're so cute. They can do anything and I love it. But it's hard to, when you're in the moment, to understand like the broader theme of the episode, you know? Like if you do Mm. say something and then later I'm like, okay, that will be the title of app. I wouldn't have known in the moment because you have to like, at least from my, in my mind, you have to see things from like a bird's eye view. That's fair. So Um, it's more of like a retrospect thing. Yeah. I typically go for the, for something provocative because, you know, when you're listening to a podcast, you like the title. Yeah. Like poo poo or pee pee. I feel like that's. Yeah you know, one of our well, best performing episodes. That's funny because like that is, that's one of our most downloaded episodes. And like, you know, when we were on Interesting Humans, that's, BB talked about that. He was like, that made me listen to your ep- your show. <laughs> but I was like, I was so embarrassed when I chose that as a title because I was just so tired by the end of editing. I was like, I don't, I, I'm just going to call, it's like a, you know, like a two-year-old, what a two-year-old <laughs> would call an episode, literally like poo-poo or pee-pee. But I was like, this is all I got. <laughs> This is this is as creative and smart as I'm going to be at this hour. Um, bodily fluid cell. Yes. If not sex. Right. True, true, true. <laughs> okay. Shall we jump into our uncomfy segment? Yes. Okay. What are we talking about for, oh, does that make you uncomfortable this week? Um, so I believe, uh, we have, you know, a, a very popular public figure on our minds, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. goes by the name of Joseph Rogan. Yes. Joe Rogan, you know, kind of a controversial topic for this segment because, uh, he's like the podcasting God, you know, it, it's like, it could be, it could be a career killer for us to talk about this right now. <laughs> I mean, so many people have talked shit about him at this point that I'm not too worried. But I, I will so. say that, like, his his ability to get people to listen to him for, like, hours and hours at a time is pretty impressive. Like, he's the person who standardized the three-hour-long podcast. Exactly. Free-flowing conversation. So he was my introduction to podcasts. That was the first podcast I ever listened to. I think it was, like, 2011 when I started listening to him. And Mm. I used to listen to every episode. I was obsessed with Joe Rogan. I love Joe Rogan. And from there, that's how I got into like other comedy podcasts like Duncan Trussell and Natasha Leggero and Arsha Fear and Tom Segura, yada, yada, yada. Um, 
so he was like very much a launch pad for my podcasting, my podcast interest. But he has taken a left turn or more of right, more of a right turn. Yeah. (laughs) Um, which I think happened, you know, around the time he signed that major Spotify deal. He signed like a a hundred million dollar contract or something. And his podcast is now on Spotify. And uh, I mean, to be honest, I stopped listening to Joe Rogan like two years ago. Um, It just became too... um, It just became too misogynistic for me, honestly. And also like... Yeah, like I, I just didn't feel like you know my values were represented in the things he talked about all the time. I mean, like he has pretty diverse guests on, so that wasn't obviously always the case. But um, yeah, let's talk about it. What are our thoughts on Joe Rogan? I mean, have you ever listened to his show? Well, that's the thing. Like, I haven't listened to any of his episodes. Um, mm-hmm. but he's been like a, <clears throat> like most of my friends uh, who are podcast listeners um, also got their start with Joe Rogan. So yeah like you and like a bunch of my other you know admittedly like mostly male friends have um subscribed to his thing and would often have him on as like background listening when they're working and i find that listening use case to be actually really interesting because podcasts are like the kind of um creative medium where like sure you can be multitasking like you know washing the dishes or like cleaning your house but Mm -hmm. you'd still want to be a fairly active listener and for most of the people I know to um, think of him as like like an ambient, like almost like a like a stream of consciousness thing, mm-hmm. um, has always fascinated me. But whenever I would like even hear a soundbite, like it it shocks me that he's considered background because he's really in your face. Like yes, his tone, his voice, the, the obviously the subject matter that he deals with, um, and all his feel- viewpoints for sure. Yeah, they're all designed to grab your attention. So, um, I mean, I also like wasn't very familiar with his um, past as a Fear Factor judge, right? Mm, yeah. Well, he was like the host of Fear Factor, which right. I, I loved watching it growing up. <laughs> yeah, like I wasn't really familiar with his other like cultural vehicles. So mm-hmm. I just thought of him as like a bit of a loudmouth who like, you know, didn't really need his voice in my brain. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I think he introduced the world to a lot of interesting people, at least for me, like that's where I learned about Sam Harris. That's where I learned about Dr. Uh, Rhonda Patrick, um, who's like, she's extremely smart and interesting. But um, and yeah, like I used to listen to his podcast religiously and then it just got to a certain point. And like so and I so this this Spotify thing, like I, I think that was sort of the tipping point for me and a lot of people. Um, even though I'd stopped listening to him before that, where like, it's just sort of, okay, so I had to commission somebody else's views because I haven't listened to him since he, since he, uh, you know, started his contract with Spotify. So um, like Rob listens to Joe Rogan. And so I asked him like, like, what are your thoughts, you know? And um, I guess like now on his podcast, he's always like going off about Biden and comparing Biden to like the dead guy in Weekend at Bernie's. And um, he's just like overly focused on how old and senile he is, which to be honest, like given his age and everything, I actually don't think Joe Biden is that senile at all. I think he has very smart points to make. He, you know, he can command a room. And then he's like also a bit of a Trump apologist, you know, like he's always saying things like, Oh, like what politician doesn't lie? Like he's kind of normalizes Trump's behavior, which I think is 
very problematic. And then, of course, he famously, most recently, had Kanye West on his show, who obviously ran for president as well and clearly was not about to win. Very unsuccessfully, but it's like to to hand the mic over to somebody like Kanye West in this time in American politics, I think is like damaging because we all knew Kanye obviously wasn't going to win. I mean, he was only on the ballot in like a few states. But the thing is, he took votes away from people, whether that be Trump or Biden. Like, even if he takes votes away from Trump, I don't like that. I want to know who's voting for Trump and Biden, like the two true candidates, you know, and um I guess he like touts Kanye as like a genius. He thinks he's super smart. And um, I don't need to hear two hours of Kanye talking to know he's a fucking idiot, you know? So I don't know. For sure. And it's um, like, he's kind of like, so Joe Rogan's kind of like a troll now. And so this is a point that was that was raised to me that I found very interesting. So a lot of people accused Joe of selling out with this Spotify deal, right? Um, you're just cashing in, blah, blah, blah. And so it's almost like, to to combat that belief he was like he just went harder in his like weird insane direction of like i'm just gonna say whatever i want to the point where i'm now kind of just saying shit to say shit you know and like to stir the pot and it's like yeah you can prove that like spotify is controlling what you're saying and it isn't isn't uh doesn't have a hand in your content but like where's the line between like integrity and you know Again, like this is something we talked about with Aja. Like, you don't always have to use your platform if you have one, but Joe, like, literally, his platform is his career as a podcaster. Like, to be honest, like, I think people don't think of him for comedy first. They don't think of Fear Factor first or UFC first. They think of his podcast, which is the epitome of a platform. So, I don't know. Like, when your platform is so big, I don't know. Do you think you have a responsibility to use it for the greater good or do you think whatever? I mean, I absolutely think you should have, um, you should feel responsible for the views that you, you know, publicize and make more prominent by way of the audience you're exposing those viewpoints to. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for someone like Joe Rogan, who obviously prioritizes attention and profit over journalistic or even moralistic integrity, that makes, that immediately nixes him um from taking seriously Mm -hmm. like at least like in my media diet um i I totally understand the desire to provide um the room for people who may have like you know more fringe or niche views that are worthwhile of um discussion Mm -hmm. so long as they are backed by like fact and research yes but because of the free flowing nature of his podcast and because he sees himself as, I think, more of an entertainer than a truth teller. At least to me, I don't. I don't think there's any type of rigor underlining um, the decisions that he makes editorially, and therefore, like, I, I don't think he deserves the power that he has. And mm-hmm. if you're going to be wielding it so thoughtlessly, then I don't want to participate. You know? Yeah. I mean, he used to. His podcast used to have a lot of integrity. Like, I appreciated that he had people on from, you know talking about politics from different sides of the political spectrum you know he had candace owens on he had jordan peterson on he had alex jones on i mean he still has alex jones on all the time and like really controversial people and like i always found like he really challenged them and he challenged people on the other side too like he had bernie sanders on and he challenged him in some ways you know and i always like i really appreciated that sort of like critical thought that went into his show and kind of like giving everyone the mic, but, uh, you know, holding you accountable for the things you say and 
calling you on your stuff, but it just seems like he's phoned it in. Like he's just sort of like a capitalist now who's like drunk. Like he recently had the guy on his show, I forget his name, who started podcasts. He like created the technology. And apparently they just got like wasted to the point where they were slurring, or at least Joe was slurring. And it's like, yeah, okay, I get you signed this like big contract. Like it doesn't really matter. You his listenership has gone up since joining Spotify, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, which shouldn't be surprising in Trump's America, even though it's Biden's America now, it's still Trump's America in a lot of ways. And um, that's not surprising, but it's like, come on, don't just, uh, I don't know, don't just like be a troll. Don't just say stuff to 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 provoke people, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think you bring up a really great point. Like we are all still, if not living in Trump's America, then at least like, you know, the white man's America. Yes. whoever the white man happens to be. And I think it's important for platforms to, I think, recognize the zeitgeist that, you know, they hold a lot of power in. And it's one thing for someone like Joe to say, well, I have a vision where I'm going to apply critical thought to like every single person like on the political spectrum, be they like left or right. But mm-hmm. understanding that there are certain ways in which people can weaponize what you say for the greater damage to like oppressed populations he doesn't seem to recognize the power that he has or if he does then he's not like talking about it or like Mm -hmm. you know using it in a responsible way or even acknowledging it for that matter if he's you know as you say getting wasted on his podcast like i remember when uh i think i don't i don't recall exactly what it was that he said but you know being that he has such a wide um, male listenership, uh, when he denounced um, something that Trump had said uh, and invited Bernie on his podcast, like I think a lot of people saw that as actually um, a beacon of hope that oh maybe he could expose um, you know the libertarian uh, public mm-hmm. to um, someone like Bernie who like understands how badly the government is fucking up but like recognizing where we could be doing more but i don't i don't think he he did that in a way that was either critical or like even useful in the long run mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense yeah. like but he doesn't seem to have a real point of view um in his criticality to every single type of person who appears on his podcast and if you're only purpose is to provoke then why should i listen you know yeah i know it's so disappointing because i do i i loved listening to his show and i felt like you know i i felt like the things that were discussed and and his approach to things like very much mimicked my values and uh and you know i i find it hard to believe because like so how old was he when he started his podcast? I mean, how old is he now? Like in his fifties, maybe. So let's, I don't know. I have no idea about his age, but let's say he started his podcast in his forties. I don't think you can change too much fundamentally as a person after you're the age of 40. Like you're kind of who you are is sort of set in stone. So his podcast now reads as if a person has completely flipped and they have changed who they are and their values and even their personality to an extent. And that leads me to believe it is more of a show and it isn't authentic and sincere. It's not actually who he is he's like he's he, he's doing an act he's putting on a persona and i have very little respect for that you know when you're just yeah. trying to entertain and just say the things that like no one wants to say or like you know he's been in the media a lot for like evading cancel culture which i mean good for him like he he's said and done multiple things that 
would have gotten any other person canceled and have, but for whatever reason, because he's kind of like, you can't cancel me. I don't, I'm uncancelable. I don't give a fuck. Cancel me all you want. I'm still here. You know, um, he's like unapologetic, I guess, in that sense. But um, I don't know. It's just disappointing. Well, there's a big difference between someone who's like, well, I'm unapologetic and like cancel me and like do whatever you want. Yeah. Versus somebody who's like, well, cancel culture doesn't actually exist because me as a white man of like a lot of wealth and privilege and power will never be canceled. Like, right. Those are the same viewpoints, but Mm. like hold very different degrees of literacy about how privilege and power works in society. Right. And for him to just be like, well, like, I'm just going to say whatever I want without thinking about the consequences of it, because that's just who I am. Yeah. If you can't consider the optics of you know what it means for you to say something to like hundreds of millions of listeners then you don't deserve the reach that you have it's true he's also borderline an anti-masker he's always questioning the validity of masks you know and so okay this is what i have to say about masks i read this article and i was like this is a really good way of putting it so it's the swiss cheese model have you ever heard of that swiss cheese model yeah no So the idea being, you know, in the case of COVID, all of these different interventions, wearing masks, social distancing, six feet apart, blah, blah, blah. It's like if you take a block of Swiss cheese and you slice it, like any given slice will have holes in it, right? It's there's it's imperfect, right? But as a whole, a Swiss cheese block doesn't have holes in it. And so the Swiss cheese model is like you layer all these things on top of each other and that's how you have a good preventative measure. In and of itself, wearing a mask is not going to prevent COVID. If we all, if we all wore masks and continued life as it were, COVID would still happen, right? It's mm-hmm. it's the masks, it's everything else on top of that that helps prevent the spread of coronavirus in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, that's just my sidebar about like how I really have zero patience for anti mask maskers. But it's like Joe is a smart person; he should know that, and I do believe he does. It's. He's just saying it to get a reaction out of people, you know, and I don't know. I mean, yeah. I guess this will be a brief segment. It's just we, we're we very uncomfortable by Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like what's so hard about wearing a fucking mask, mm. honestly, like especially now that I mean, for very practical reasons, like it's getting cold, it's getting witty. Like, yeah. don't you want something that covers your face? Like, what for is sure. the big fucking deal? You know, um, I have a Joe Rogan story. Should I share it? Okay. So um, my first year in my undergrad, I I went to Montreal by myself. I think I actually like asked you if you wanted to come see. So Joe Rogan was doing a stand up show with Duncan Trussell was his opener. And I Mm -hmm. really like this was at the height of me. This was like 2012. So I like loved Joe Rogan. And I was like, I need to see him. And he wasn't coming to Toronto. He was only going to Montreal. And um, I think I asked you to go and you were like, hmm. I don't want to see Joe Rogan. And I was like, all right, don't blame. No one wanted to go. Like I asked all my friends and they were all like, I mean, they were all, I think women. And they're just like, "Mm, not really my thing. So I went to Montreal alone and um, really roughed it. I stayed in like a hostel. I don't know why I did that. I didn't need to, but I just like really roughed it. (laughs) And I went to his show and uh, I went to a show alone. But like while I was waiting in line, I ended up making friends with this girl and like the people she was with because she just thought it was like very cool. I was there alone. Um, and I was like, well, it's not cool. It's like kind of sad, if anything. It's just because I couldn't get any friends to come. No, I'm just kidding. If I didn't want to go, I wouldn't have gone. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. really care that I was alone. And so I like went to a show and, you know, watched it and sat with these people at the front. 
And then after his show, he was he he would meet everyone after his show that wanted to meet him. So there was a line of like, I don't know, it may as well have been like 100 people, you know, and he stood there for hours, like shaking everyone's hand and talking to them. And I just sat at the bar. I was wearing like a fur coat and like red lipstick. I remember. And I just sat at the bar and in my head. I was like, I'm going to say hi to Joe Rogan. But like after this meet and greet line, like I'm going to be cool and just like be, <laughs> I'm going to be cool by sitting here for like an hour <laughs> drinking alone in this bar is like a 24 year old woman but I was like I'm not waiting in a lot I'm gonna just like walk up to him and be like hi Joe Rogan and so I did that and and I went up to him and I was like I am actually like I just love everything you do and like I am like a huge fan of yours and I remember him just looking at me weird like what like you're you're a fan of mine you're you seem like the opposite of his fan base was all like bros right like white dudes mm-hmm. um and anyways long story short i ended up getting invited to play pool with him and duncan trussell after the show and uh he was specifically like don't bring those people that you were talking to because like those people i made friends with in line they were pretty obnoxious and i was like yeah that's fine i don't even know them they're we're not even friends and he was like okay and i went and played pool with him and duncan trussell for like two or three hours and it was so fucking cool at that time. I mean, it would be cool now because like I loved him. Mm-hmm. And um also Joe Rogan is like a world-class pool player. He's very talented wow. at it. And I'm like a terrible pool player. So I like was embarrassing like like scratching every round I went. <laughs> um and uh, I remember like I was writing a paper at the time on the BP oil spills, and I remember just like chirping his ear off about this paper I was working on. And he was very like polite and like asked me questions and like wasn't creepy like he and Duncan like neither of them were trying to fuck me or anything it was very like it was it was honestly like what you'd want as a fangirl like just this fun experience with like people at the time that were your heroes and Mm -hmm. they're like respectful and I got got to have like beers and play pool with them and tell them about like my stupid paper and uh and went on with my life but it was like a very cool experience well, I'm glad they were respectful. Like, it's, yeah, I mean, unfortunate nice. for them, but it's like not what I think me or other people would have expected. So, right. Yeah. So I guess that's like one thing time. he has on his side is like, at least in my experience, he wasn't like a weird creepo when I hung out with him. He was super nice. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And like, I mean, the fact that he was asking me questions about my BP oil spills paper, like. <laughs> Did you keep that paper? I mean, it's probably saved on my computer somewhere. I never kept the hard copy. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the thing, right? Like we could be, you know, talking shit about his editorial decisions, which very well could be mm. not his doing, but like spotify is doing whatever the you know behind the scenes of what's going on with his empire um are yeah i think it's great that he was still polite and like a nice person and i don't doubt that he you know has good intentions behind what he wants to do which is i'm just a curious guy who's really smart and want to utilize my intelligence to help other people understand like a broader range of yes. how people think in the world and see that's what is, that's very respectful that's what his podcast used to be which is why it's so disappointing for me personally that it's turned into what it is mm. where it's just some like free-for-all like i don't know i feel like he has fewer female guests on now it's just like weird men like in a vacuum just jerking each other off and being like yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, that's like the the pitfall of broadcasting on a platform that's like entirely driven by algorithm, right? Like, Mm. it makes more sense for him to, like, narrow what he's about and like, make it more sensical to an algorithm that's just going to be recommending things based on like people's listening habits and data that could be quantified and like, allocated in a way that does not provide room for nuance and so yes. like for him to be doubling down on what gets the most like streams and like yeah. headlines is a smart business decision but is it a moral decision no yeah so and i guess like what do we expect from rich people you know yeah i mean look maybe we'll play pool with him in a couple of years and be like joe like why'd you do that yeah why did you do that do that do that the lady gaga song do that to me um speaking of algorithms it's a really good opportunity for us to remind you listeners please rate and review our podcast on apple Podcasts. it really 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 matters takes two seconds of your time but it means the world to us at a minimum just please rate it you know no less than five stars of course but um it's just a button you just got to click it i mean you're flicking that bean all day long anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Put those fingers to just redirect them to your phone. Yes. Um, Okay. And with that, we will take another break. And we're back. We're back. Just uh, a little, you know, pausey palate cleanser after our uncomfy segment. Um, this one is called, you can sit with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and in light of the second lockdown in Toronto, we wanted, um, to dedicate this one to all the bars and restaurants in Toronto that we miss very, very much. This next song goes out to all the bars and restaurants in Toronto that we miss very, very much. That's me being on the radio. Oh, love the radio. Never a dead medium. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, we know it's really hard, um, for restaurants, even, you know, in non-pandemic times to like turn a profit and like have a decent margin. And if you're not familiar with the business models of the places that have, you know, made 
your social lives happen. Um, we encourage you to look into a memoir or like, you know, some sort of biography of your favorite restaurateur or bar owner, um, which is what I recently did uh, with Jen Ads. Um, I hear she's a real bitch. Uh, that was the name of her book. And it was honestly really enlightening, um, just like getting to know her creative process and like the blood, sweat and tears that goes into designing and negotiating and like running um, an establishment that just is out there to feed people really good food and provide them drinks that could lead to the birth of relationships, of friendships, of babies, of, you know, all these moments in your life that, you know, make it worth living. So for um, our listeners, who's Jen Egg? So she is... I mean, I feel like she would dislike this label, but, you know, she's one of the few female restaurateurs um, in Toronto and honestly, just like in North America and the restaurant industry in general. Uh, there are very few women who, um, you know, make it to the stature that she has. Uh, she's opened um, Black Hoof, uh, which was a really well-known um, restaurant in Toronto that kind of like ignited its... Um, its restaurant scene in Toronto in like the 2010s. Uh, she currently runs like um, La Swan on Queen West. Uh, she has Bar Vendetta on Dundas. She owns Cocktail Bar, um, Great Gardens in Kensington. And she just has like a very uniquely um, high-low aesthetic to mm -hmm. um, the spaces that she designs. Like they all feel very much like a high-end restaurant, but the service is very like cash and chill. Like no one's walking around with like a hand behind their um, back. Uh, they talk to you like human beings. And I just, I love how accessible she's made food and drinking well. Um, and it, honestly, if it wasn't for, you know, her or someone like her, I don't think I would have gotten to know the city the way that I have. Mm -hmm. um, she was one of the primary reasons why I wanted to, um, go into bar reviewing and I worked at Bokteo for a bit like doing that. I remember when you did that. We used to go to bars together. That's fun. Yes, it was super fun and like I had, I didn't really know the city that well and to like just do that and like get to know the people who like would make the drinks or like, you know, craft the menus was like such a gratifying way of like seeing through other people's eyes like what Toronto could have been. Yeah. Um, if it was, if it wasn't so like limited to like, you know, the people at the very top or like the neighborhoods where you could afford the rent, you mm -hmm. know, she made it all feel very democratic. And honestly, like she makes the spaces that people want to like make those special life moments happen in. Like I'd get married in one of her restaurants, honestly. Right. So knowing how hard it is, um, for people like her right now, uh, we just wanted to, you know, dedicate a few minutes to mm -hmm. a moment of silence for all the restaurants we've lost in COVID. Yeah. I mean, now we're going to enter 60 minutes of complete silence. Dead air. Not really. We're not gonna I'm just that. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be um, really bad content. Um, yeah. Well, cold tea clothes. That's sad. Mm -hmm. Ollie. It is really. I mean, sad. Ollie. So Ollie, we met from at Embassy, and that's where you and I met. So that's really important to us. 
Wow. I, yes, that's a really good point, actually. Yeah. Um, uh, Ollie, who Ollie... opened Cold Tea, he used to work at Embassy in Kensington Market. That's where Caroline and I met and effectively fell in love. And uh, <laughs> so the closing of Cold Tea is like kind of personal, TBH. Yeah. For sure. Um, it was like one of the first bars that I like would go and feel like a regular at, mm-hmm. um, which honestly like was a big like milestone and feeling like an adult, you know? Yes. Um, and a lot of delicious drinks were had there. The dim sum lady who would honestly oh, rescue I love that. us. Dim sum like, on the dance floor. Oh, that's a great. Um, track title (laughs) or track title yeah that's like when lady gaga is like doing her having her gwen stefani moment and like appropriating (laughs) chinese culture (laughs) imagine she's like chopstick in her hair yeah Um, ariana grande does a track oh yes yeah it was like a really special place i think for for us obviously and Mm -hmm. also for a lot of people so um i know they have a queen west location now which i've never been to yeah, I don't, I don't even if, know that. I don't even like do it. Even before COVID, I didn't even like go out. <laughs> so that's fair. Um, but it's like right by Queen and Beaconsfields, uh, like where Brooklyn used to be. Oh, when did it open? I'm not sure. I just like happened to be like walking mm. down Queen getting groceries one day and I saw it. must have opened that. after I moved away from there, hey? Because I would have noticed that. Mm hmm. But, you know, hopefully it's still around after the pandemic is over because I am very curious. And yeah. I would love to say hello to Ollie, who honestly was almost single-handedly responsible for us meeting and yeah. us now, you know, making this podcast. It's so sad when these institutions die out. For sure. And I mean, even though like, you know, eventually they might make another restaurant or a bar, like it's not the same. It's not know? the same. Yeah. You lose that history. You do. Yeah. Um, I think about like, you know, the like even the like, bathrooms are really gross, like at a lot of these bars. Oh, like, bathrooms are know, disgusting everywhere in Toronto. Yeah. Like be it cold tea or like people's eatery. That was like another like yes. very, very beloved um haunt of ours. Yeah. I mean if four one six snack bar closes, I'd be really, really sad. See, I would be less sad. Cause four one six had its moment and it was very fleeting, you know? And like, yeah, those pork buns are good, but you can get those pork buns at like, what's that place on uh, Ossington, that like Korean bar? Um, Otsul. Yes, Otsul or you like know, Omofuku even. Yes, that's true. And yeah, so those pork ones were good, but like they weren't that good. And I don't know, like, have you been? I've been to 416 in recent, like I went to it actually right before the pandemic. It's lame. Mm. It's just like a frat house, essentially. Yeah, I mean, it's just... It's just bros and like female bros, you know? That's fair. We don't love um, bro culture. I don't know if you guys have ever noticed that about our show. We're anti-bro. We, we do hate the bro. Um, I yeah. also went there recently and like it's the kind of place where, you know, you would go for a drink after work if you happen to work around the area, which yeah. if you do, or if you're, you probably work at an agency or something. So yeah, 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 yeah. Bros. Or if you're hanging out with like basic bees and you're just like, oh, where should we go? And you're like, oh, this is like a palatable place. Like we can both like find ourselves here. I guess we'll go here. You know? Honestly, I still love it. And like if they are still a thing, I would happily go back there. Mm. Um, Only because I have such fond memories of it. See, So this is the thing. Like I know like everyone in in COVID times are we're all like guilty about spending 
money that doesn't need to be spent. But I think like one good way you can spend your money is like supporting your local businesses like this, like any bar that's doing now, like takeout or curbside, pick up whatever. Um, even strip clubs, strip clubs that serve food are selling just food. Obviously, like you can't, there's the strippers aren't working, but like support them when you can. That's really important because otherwise, like that's what happens. These businesses close down and this is their livelihood. And a lot of these places are institutions, you know? So, yeah, like say what you will about the, you know, broiness of restaurant culture, but like, when you come across people who just genuinely want people to have a good time, like that's why they open these places. Yeah. Like that, you know, hospitality um, should not go unnoticed and ignored. So no, it's so true. I really feel for all of like, yes, I really feel for all these businesses and like the servers and stuff. Like I went, um, so we're in Toronto, we're now in lockdown, but a couple of weeks ago I went to a, a, a patio on Bloor and like the, the girl that was serving us was telling us like, um, cause we left her a cash tip, like tip was already built into the bill, but we just left her cash anyway. And she's like, Oh, I can't take that. And we were like, why? And she's like, well, like we're not allowed to take actual tips like that. Like it's built into the bill and we all are on like a salary increase, but, uh, we, like no one gets tipped out more than the other. It's like all equal pay for everyone. So there, everyone there is making less money. It's just more stable money. And I was like, okay. man, I mean, okay but like that's not great because if you're like i used to serve and bartend like you could make a lot of money in a night and if you're not making that and said you're making like one third of that but it's guaranteed like i don't know i guess like the trade-off given it's you know we're in a global pandemic but Mm -hmm. tough times man like i don't know how these people are surviving and it's really expensive to run a restaurant so yeah for sure it's it's definitely not you don't go into it because you want to make money yeah basically now ordering uber eats is like the new charity (laughs) Oh, I mean, and even so, like if you could call up the restaurant and like go pick it up, do that because Uber Eats takes, I want to say at least 25% of, um, ah, yes. Yeah. Of what you pay. So, I mean, I'm, you don't need us to tell you how to support small businesses, but think about the places that have like made your lives, mm-hmm. like where you met your favorite people, where you've had like the nights that define who you are and get a gift card, you know? Yes. By the way, how bad is this lighting right now in my basement? Look how red my face looks. I never <laughs> look this red. I have a, my complexion calling? is nearly perfect. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just it's the lighting. Maybe I I don't know. Don't mm, judge me. I mean, the the lighting like looks fine. You do look a little flush, but I assumed it was because you were getting warm. I guess like, now that now that we're talking about it, I do feel very hot. <laughs> I'm getting like (laughs) gradually nervous or something. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And we're back. (laughs) I love, I love the theater podcast. Yeah. Nothing just happened. It was like the same 10, five seconds. Caroline's like, (laughs) we're going to be right back and we're back. So we're just here giggling. Yeah. Um, all it. the better to entertain so funny. yeah <laughs> um but this is the segment that we like to call sorry not sorry where we take you know however long it takes for us to talk about something that we are unapologetically apologetic about for <laughs> we're apologetic about being unapologetic yeah because you know after all we are still you know good asian girls yeah we're still us. asian women who are live in canada <laughs> <laughs> so we're like as a default we're sorry um, um okay 
Shall I go first? Please. I guess I'm now just like ha- doing entering a new trend where all of my story not stories are things that have happened in my past because I just don't do anything in my life anymore for me to have anything to really talk about. So I'm sorry, not sorry that when I worked at American Apparel, I used to steal clothes every single shift <laughs> and I, I had a key to the store. And so especially if I had to open, I would just go in early. I would like put on a new outfit and I just stole the shit out of so many clothes from that place. Why am I not sorry? Because Dove Charney, what's his name? Dove Charney. Dove Charney is a pedophile. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not sorry that I stole from his stupid business. But I am sorry because, like, you know, Chinese slave labor made those clothes. I mean, not that they benefited anyway from it being purchased or not purchased. It was slave labor. (laughs) It it was um, a sunk cost. Actually, I guess American Apparel was, like, one of those few brands that was actually manufactured in the U.S., so I can't even claim that. But (laughs) anyways, I'm sorry, not sorry for being a thief. I mean, everyone that worked there, that was, like, the culture. Like, you stole from the store, you know? It was like mm-hmm. a joke. If you didn't steal, it was like, oh my God, that person should get fired. They're like not fitting in here. <laughs> They're like, that one's a narc. Yeah. Um, um, so not much to say there, but I, oh my God, I stole so much shit from there. Do you have any of those clothes still? No. That is something I would have gotten rid of. Remember that that goes back to my cotton thing because everything from mm. American Apparel is cotton. And um, those, like all of those clothes are like, don't, they're not things you want to keep wearing, you know? They're very trendy and of the time. It's true. Um, I'm thinking about like that pair of black disco pants that I think mm. everyone who was like, I can't afford like actual leather or even vegan leather. Yeah, they would that get was... those like high waisted, like shiny black. And things. that was before Aritzia started manufacturing those hundred dollar faux leather leggings, right? Which were a, an American Apparel ripoff, and the mm-hmm. ones from American Apparel were like twenty five bucks. Yeah. I used to have gold leggings from American Apparel. I'd wear them. I mean, that was like my they're... statement piece when I was going out. <laughs> they're comfy. Can you imagine. Yeah. I mean, uh, like, look, if you're like looking for a Halloween costume, American Apparel was like the That's place true. to go. Yes. And if you're trying to be like low key sex machine, <laughs> it was like very sexy clothes, you know? I mean, I guess it was like the ads as well. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you'd like put on a pair of leggings and like splay your legs open and you're like, mm. I'm a model. So. You know, when you when you got a job there, if you were in a in order to get into a management position, your photo would have to get sent to head office. So like only if you fit the American, not just fitting the American apparel brand, but you had to have like sex appeal because I mean, like Dove was a fucking creepo, right? Um, yeah. Your photo had to go to head office and you had to like single handedly approve it. Like, yeah, I, I'd stick my <laughs> dick in that mouth. She's hired. Oh, that's yeah, that's horrible. It is horrible. Um, so never be sorry about uh, having stolen from such a damaging yeah. corporation. I mean, the company went bankrupt, right? I guess probably part of the reason why is all the employee theft. I mean, I- I'd love to know like the percentage, but uh, I mean, he has a new company now, so it's fine. Ew, what is it? Cancel culture doesn't exist. It's called like Made in LA or something. Mm, okay. All right. What's your story? Not sorry. Okay, my sorry, not sorry, is um, having a section on my bookshelf that's labeled neoliberal ex-boyfriends. Um, <gasps> and to explain that a little more, uh, there are mostly books by authors like Chuck Klosterman, mm. John Stewart, mm. <gasps> um, Brett Easton Ellis, John Stewart, uh, Jonathan Franzen, mm-hmm. and, you know, like, 
having grown up as someone who likes to read um i bought a lot of books from like white male authors who were like all the rage and honestly continue to be all the rage yeah um and you know i went through like a lot of those books um when i was like throwing out my shit and i was like i can't bring myself to get rid of this because some of this is genuinely interesting writing good writing yeah. like sex drugs and cocoa puffs i'm pretty sure every like humanities major like have has that on their bookshelf right um and you know it's it's a phase of my life that i'm not apologetic about having had um i learned a lot from it i feel like i'm a lot savvier about the you know white male experience because i was able to put myself in their shoes um so frequently through those books and i will keep them on my shelf as a reminder of my own growth so when you say you call this this part of your shelf that like that's just in your brain or do you have like uh tent cards on your shelf so okay when <laughs> like i was like feminist literature neoliberal white men or whatever you said <laughs> So when I was um, organizing my books, like I wanted to have like a very deliberate system. I didn't want to color code that shit because that's yeah. for people who don't actually. You're not white. Read. Yeah. Well, that's no. for white people. Yes. Um, Although I do color I want, code my closet. I mean, that's like for. That's just smart you know, living. Yeah. Yeah. Pragmatism. Um, nor did I really want to go the route of like, okay, like fiction, nonfiction. Like I didn't want to be so Yeah, you're not so a fucking literal. library. Exactly. So like in my head, I like divided it up by like the 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 mindsets that I was in when I bought those books. So okay. in addition to neoliberal ex-boyfriends, I also have like writers who need therapy and that encompasses, you know, writers who like wrote about problematic things um or like are problematic themselves like, you know, JK Rowling, like she belongs mm -hmm. on that shelf. Um so does Susan Faludi who uh was a pretty prominent second wave feminist who um, now has like some, again, pretty problematic um, opinions on trans people. Uh, I also have, sorry, I muted myself for a second. I also have um, Dostoevsky uh, and like Proust, like people who um, wrote like a very long time ago who like probably would need therapy like in present day and age. So I have that. And then I also have, um, you know, insane white people as like one of my shelves which is just like mostly books about like you know very rich wealthy um people who are interesting because they are rich and wealthy mm -hmm. so a lot of tom wolf a lot of like i mean i have crazy rich asians there um which technically isn't like insane white people but they might as well be white because of how yeah much, like, you know money they have yeah um and then I also have a section, um, I have two sections. One's called uh, Facades, which are um, nonfiction books about design and um, the body and just like anything that has to do with like appearances. So like my fashion books. But then I also have Underbellies, which are my nonfiction books about like... You're so proud of yourself. When did you set this up? <laughs> Caroline just got a new bookshelf that all, like all of her books are displayed on now. When did you set this up? literally this afternoon this story not sorry is just a gateway for you talking about your bookshelf <laughs> you're actually not sorry you're not sorry not sorry about anything you're just like this is my bookshelf and i just want to talk about it i'm like i'm sorry, not sorry that i'm that i read okay yeah um but that's yeah like i am sorry not sorry i really love my caro decimal system mm. as it were <laughs> i mean it looks great over there um i can't wait for you to see it in person yeah 
Me too. Do you have any books that you haven't put on your shelf? No, they're pretty much all on my shelf for the most part. But I do have a section that's like all books that I haven't read yet and therefore can't mm. classify. So, I mean, that's that's next on the to-do list. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you have it. <laughs> I'm sorry for stealing Caroline's story. Sorry for reading. <laughs> this is always the thing about our story, not stories. Yours are always way more eloquent and like intelligent. And I'm just like, sorry that I floss my teeth with my hair and I steal clothes. <laughs> Honestly, that's that's still my sorry, not sorry. So please never be sorry for a lot. <laughs> All right, listeners. Well, with that, we will see, see you next Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> You've been listening to Not Nice. Our show is produced, hosted, and edited by Julia Bennett-Chan and Caroline Lum. Our theme song is by Magnetize Music. You can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are found. If you feel so inclined, go ahead and give us a rating. And if you're feeling really wild, hey, write a review. You can email us at notnicepod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.